On this episode of A Tale of Two Rivals, the banter man breaks down Cordell Patterson's wild ride, Kenny Gainwell back from the Capitol Draft death, and riding that tight end stream. Stay tuned. Fantasy Football Podcast, put on by your three-peak, go more for my fourth-ring champion, and a solo recording, bashing me behind my back, 5,000 follower counting, spreadsheet nerd, to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the Fantasy Football listener. Who am I unfortunately joined by? <laughs> You're joined by at FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd. I feel like I kind of went Urban Meyer on you a little bit, man. Like, uh, stepped out be- behind your back, recorded solo, talked some trash without you having an opportunity to respond, saying that you didn't show up, had nothing to do with your car. It all had to do with you being me bringing you to 0 and 4. 0 and 4 in our longtime home league. Dude, the car debacle was one for the books. Let's not get into that. Not Derek Carr, but your actual automobile. My wife's automobile. Yes. <laughs> So in our in our group league chat, I decided to celebrate with my league mates that I'm three and one in the top of my division in Scott Fishbowl, which is exciting. And Dave replies with a screenshot of me and the basement of our longtime home redraft week <laughs> at 0 and 4. So like here I am, my first year in Scott Fishbowl, super psyched, and Dave just did not even give me a moment to relish. In my success. Oh, you have plenty and of time to relish, sir. You re- you love your relish. <laughs> I do love my relish. <laughs> um, but I gotta say, I respected the move. <laughs> I respected the <laughs> out of that move. <laughs> but it was awesome, man. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Um, keep talking. Keep talking. And uh, yeah. And uh, oh, also, in uh, the listener league, we should say that I was destroyed in uh, historic fashion by Brian Sad, who broke the one-week scoring record that I held. So, uh, yeah. So I'm 3-1 in that league now, too. But yeah, what are you in that week, Dave? 2-2? Two 2-2. Two? Two two. It was a rough week. I'll just say, Tua has Tua's injury, which nobody could have predicted because he's been a stellar of health throughout his entire football career, has really hurt me across the board. But anyway, we're starting to develop here, Todd. <laughs> And right. really, the main headline that we should focus on is that you bowed out from because you couldn't handle Mr. Banterman himself couldn't handle the banter last night. I could not. Uh, I was exhausted from three hours of waiting for a tow that never came. And the only way I got that car out of there was a very anger turn of the key got it to start. I, I honestly don't know what I did on the 90,000th try, but he plugged the database in and that's what happened. just destroyed the starter of my wife's car the database (laughs) no that's how you got it started you're like oh you know what's gonna happen let's give us some advanced metrics yeah there we go there we go (laughs) try this wappa Uh, (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so um 
I'll just do a quick little uh, rebuttal on some of your pieces. So Jamar Chase as the wide receiver three in Dynasty, I find that quite spicy, but I don't think it's crazy. I would say I wouldn't go as high as three probably because there are certain studs that I wouldn't put him over, but I'm thinking he's probably my, my top five most likely. So I don't, I, I like, I like it a lot. He was my wide receiver five Todd to be at the start of the season in dynasty. And he moves up to three. Is that, it's not crazy. No, it's not at all. I mean, I still think I'm more on the Devante uh, Tyreek side, but like, I, you can make an argument from over DK. You can make an argument over Jefferson. You can make an argument for him over Hopkins. Like it, it's pretty easy to make a case for it. It's interesting to kind of put him next to DJ Moore and then talk about that. You know what I mean? Like, and I guess you could kind of play with the age beast too a little bit there. But it's also kind of like eh, it's not that big of a difference. But yeah, so like I do like it. Debo. All right, so. I think that Debo is off to like a torrid pa- like pace, and I I think like with Lance coming in, I I still think Debo is going to be a startable piece. Like he's shown that he he's got great separation. He's he's a good player, but yes, I actually think that Debo is a huge sell right now based off just how nutty he's been in the beginning. Like he's just blown those expectations out of the water. So yeah, top twenty four for sure. But you can trade him to some people probably for more than that he's a guy that i'd be looking to move but i mean obviously it depends on your situation too so your uh third guy was uh dalton schultz huh man yeah and i th- i'm sure you're gonna cover him tonight but essentially i said rest of season at least or at least the minimum until michael gallup comes back he's going to be a top 10 uh tight end and should be started unless you have one of the elite tight ends yes to a degree I agree that he could be a top 10 tight end, and I I think he will be because that's not really a difficult thing to achieve, but I don't think he's a lock-in week-to-week starter, and I'll dive into that a little bit more when we get to uh, my streaming topic, all right? So, you know, I'll I'll leave the people wanting more, unless you just decide to fast-forward to that part. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You ready to get into my first take, Davey? What's what you know? What's the deal with Patterson? What's the deal with Patterson? All right. So the deal is you're looking at the RB three in PPR, eighty three point four points. That's only three points behind Eckler at number two, and nine points more than Najee Harris at four. And Najee Harris just had nineteen targets in a game. Forty one percent of his points came off that monster game against Washington. So you kind of have to factor that in in the smaller sample size. But he still averaged 15 and a half carries and seven targets in the previous two games before that. He's tied with a show favorite, uh, Chase Edmonds, for third among uh, RB targets with 22. And let's just put it what it is. The Falcons are bad. They're terrible. They're going to throw a lot. And he has a 13 and a half percent target share, which is phenomenal for a running back. And so it's but for me, even with all that baked in, this is such a tough buy, man. It, It like. It's just so hard to buy into this, given that career production. But you can't ignore how juicy the opportunity is. It's simply nuts, man. It's not like we're waiting on some rookie or like a better running back to overtake him either. It's not like he has this like crazy competition waiting in the winds. Theoretically, yeah, I mean, Patterson has those. He has the ability to possibly be an RB2 the rest of the year. 
I'm not buying it, but I don't fault anybody for essentially staying on that path because he was free. It's a free chance at that for the rest of the season. But I'll tell you right now, there is no reason, no reason to go out and try to acquire this guy. Huge outlier. I definitely see Pitts steadily. Real question, quick question. In yep. Dynasty or Redraft or both? Both. I'm not looking to acquire him. Not at all. It's too risky of a move and what the price is going to cost to be able to put all of your bet eggs into that basket, particularly in Redraft, actually. No. Nah. And also in Dynasty, he actually might be an easier acquisition because a lot of Dynasty owners might be feeling like, eh, but you're still going to have to give up something pretty significant for the output he's already put in. So Pitts, you're going to see that target share steadily increase. A healthy Russell Gage will take some looks away. So I'm personally looking to move him because especially on the back of a monster game after having steady work, and I'm not at all convinced that he's going to have major value pass this year. If you want to roll a Patterson, essentially because he was free, as a flex option or an RB2 option, have at it. But I'd be selling. I'd be selling the crap out of him right now. Interesting, Todd. So you're going to sell the guy who 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 tripled his touchdown output for the season last week? I, I think that's a smart move, my friend. Uh, I'm just saying, man, if you just want to just, it's just possible. There are people in the league that just live in the moment. Oh, for sure. Dude, you're living. The, I think that's a good archetype that we've talked about off air before. The live in yeah. the moment. People and I, it's not that I don't know just, not, your man, know your league. Somebody in your league loves this guy, he is their kind of a guy. He's not my kind of a guy. I know he's not Dave's kind of a guy, so I wouldn't be trying to trade with Dave. All right, I'd be looking in that living in the moment guy. All right, and three top three weeks over 15 fancy points the last three weeks, uh, two top five weeks in that span, Todd. and. What is just crazy? What I think what pisses me off the most, Todd, is that what Cordero Patterson is going to do for like the Mecole Hardman truther, who's going to just hold on till he's age thirty now, or the Kadarius Tony, you, you know the the archetype, or, you know, just, or maybe Tavon Austin has three more years left that we're going to hear. Oh, maybe just maybe, and that's what Cordero. Like I think it's like oh the thirty age thirty breakout, Todd. I, I who who could have seen this coming, and. Look, I actually find it's exciting. I I like this storyline in fantasy, but overall, Todd, I agree he's a sell. But I don't think I can come up with twenty with uh with a twenty four other running backs I'd start over him at this point. I, I don't. I'm not sure if I can on a week to week basis. If I probably not, probably not. I mean, just from the pure volume of work he's getting. That's why I'm saying, like, if you want to roll with him as a free option because he was essentially free, have at it, man. Like. If whoever had, if somebody had him rostered to start the year in a dynasty league with like less than 35 spots, please tell me what you were thinking. Cause I, I didn't see it. I just didn't. What's crazy is that Corderell Patterson is going to be a consideration over, over Allen Robinson in a flex spot this week. And I'm not sure I might go freaking Corderell Patterson at this point. It, so I think if my take uh, is Todd, that's the sad point. It's the sad truth, man. Uh, you can. Hey, Rob, I, and, I, I, another guy on that 0-4 team. Thanks, man. <laughs> Do you like how I slid that in there? <laughs> that was I'm not going to say that wasn't intentional. Uh, but <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I six know. targets, I seven know. targets, six targets last three weeks, and then also over five carries every game. He's definitely a flex-worthy spot. He's 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 got to be a flex consideration. He's not a, oh, I'm just going to keep on my, my bench 
type thing anymore. He is a flex, a locked-in flex option, at least. It's good. I'm not sure if you can come up with any better flexes unless your team is loaded. But Cordell Patterson, Todd, I cannot believe in the year of our Lord, 2021, he is a topic of conversation on a tale to rivals. Absolutely. That's why we have to touch upon it, because he could be a topic. All right. Now, we're going back to a player that I actually like. Kenny Gainwell, Memphis Finest. Eight targets this week, six catches, 58 yards, and a rushing t- touchdown in the fourth quarter when they were down. So he's getting the ball in some big situations. Huge de- draft capital disappointment. He's a C2C guy that I was very high on, and he was definitely one of the more polarizing prospects that we had. And I personally love this tape, but sitting out like hell of this value, which is atrocious, given that he had very good reasons to sit out because his family was devastated by the COVID pandemic. Um, lots of concerns came around his size, his explosiveness, and the level of competition he faced. And my thing is, I always pointed to his floor as an impressive receiving, his impressive receiving ability. And I would argue against that explosiveness, because I saw something completely different. I saw an athlete. I saw a guy who had phenomenal moves. He could break tackles. He had, a, he had great acceleration. I just didn't see what other people were seeing. But I don't want to go back into like me and my feelings about him as a prospect. This is a big thing between Dave and I where we differ in the way we look at running back prospects. I like backs that are strictly high-end receiving guys because I know there's standalone value there. And the league is getting more pass-happy, and I can bake in the idea that an injury to the starter is just simply a bonus here. So I don't need to be thinking about them with their three-down potential. I know what they're going to be able to offer me in a set role in an offense. Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, you look for those three-down potentials, and obviously I do too, but I think I don't try to overstretch myself as much in it because it's harder to nail that down, and I'm taking the value of the running back of that receiving back more. And I think Gainwell is a perfect example of the type of prospect that I would have considered to be a value. I think he is an excellent buy for as a dynasty asset, and I don't think you'd have to spend more than a second rounder to get him. And yeah, I said that. And I, and I think that Kenny Gainwell is going to have enough of work. And, you know, if he gets the opportunity to be the lead dog, I think he could do a very good job, too. Todd, I think you've mischaracterized me a little bit here because uh, Gainwell demonstrated that he can carry the workload at Memphis. He had the uh, attempts per game numbers that I look for. Uh, the only reason I came off again of Gainwell was his draft capital. And I really regret it, Todd, because you remember that our first show, we took like December off or something, and we came back in January. Or we took a little, little bit of a, a break for Tales of Rivals. And the first show we came back, and we talked about it, or maybe it was the first time we talked about prospects, something that it was. And the first guy that I said I was excited about, that I was higher on others, was Kenny Gainwell. And he he is my kind of guy. And I'm actually really upset that I came off him. I don't have him anywhere. And it's because of the draft capital. And I didn't have the insight of how the not playing a year dropped him. It was a mistake, Todd, because he started off week one, replaces Boston Scott. And with a 37.5 opportunity share, matches that in week two. So we know it's not a blip. And then it goes, and then he has, you know, right around there the next week. But then he bumps up to 50%. He jumps over Miles Sanders in week four. And 
I don't think I could have seen this coming, Todd. Did not, I did not think I could see this coming. Uh, there are people, there was a, a poll on Twitter, Todd, that some people already prefer Kenny Gainwell over Miles Sanders in Dynasty. Shocking. I am not 100% there. I'm no. not there yet. Oh, my goodness. I'm That's... not there yet, Todd, but it, it's not crazy, dude. It's not crazy. Miles I... Sanders continues to disappoint. Yeah. Continues. Well, I, I think that was part of it. So, like, with Gainwell, when he went there, was the draft capital totally knocked him down. I was actually scooping up Gainwell late in a lot of drafts. All right? And you do have one share of Gainwell, by the way. But the point is, is that I, I kind of feel like you, like this was like a guy that was such a polarizing guy before the draft happened. And people that kicked him down and then the capital happened, it just put a sour taste in the whole community's mouth about the guy. You know what I mean? And now, like, he goes out, he proves what kind of a football player he is. And Miles Sanders has been a guy that has been a really difficult, like, player to trust at this point, you know, for multiple reasons. So I, I can't get there that, that soon with Gainwell over Sanders. I just think that that's, that, that's a quite a stretch in such a small sample size, you know. But, I mean, I love Kenny Gainwell, man. I, I think that he's, he's an absolute buy in Dynasty right now, and I don't think he's that expensive. And I think that he's the perfect guy for a team in a rebuild situation, even though, but at the same time, if you're also competing, like, I don't think it's going to cost you much to have him stashed behind for when, for when it comes time to think about the next steps, you know? Uh, agree, Todd. I, I, it's just interesting how it's starting to trend here. And clear, I think the problem is, is that it might be a little overreaction to a disappointment with Miles Sanders, but the real issue here is that Miles Sanders, the benefit of Miles Sanders was is he was making crazy receptions as a rookie. Remember that one catch he had in the back of the end zone from Carson yeah, Wentz? Yeah, I don't and know what Kenny Gainwell yeah. is taking that. He is Kenny he is Gainwell is a better upside. receiver than Miles Sanders on day one. I would have fallen on that sword all day, like from the day he got drafted. But did I? I it was just a matter of like if he was going to get the opportunity. There's so many things you can say. It's just a matter of whether he's going to get the chance to prove it. If you watch Kenny Gainwell tape, that guy looks like a receiver coming out of the backfield. Back shoulder catches all day. He lined up at wide receiver. I'm talking about out of Memphis, where he also played a lot of slot, too. But my point is, I'm like, he's he's a phenomenal receiver. Phenomenal. And I was just adding, like, it wasn't even just out of the backfield. It was crazy. He was taking, and he wasn't even taught, not even just like slot stuff, but he would, they were hitting him on comebacks. Like over or back shoulder throws. That's what they were targeting Kenny Gainwell on back shoulder throws. Such a good back shoulder guy. In fact, I'm pretty sure you can go. I wrote the the rookie profile for him for the IDP mag, and I guarantee you can go back and find that back shoulder throw all day. I I totally highlighted that because he it, it was it's something he's been doing since college, man. And it's still to me, I just can't believe how far he fell in the draft. I just I just don't understand it. I don't. Especially in a league that's looking for guys to have versatility and be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. I don't understand it. It drives me insane. There, there's, there's a lot of bias behind the whole COVID thing and the sitting I know, out. I know we have to move on, Todd, but it's just odd that usually running quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, they don't want to throw it to the quarterback, except Jalen Hurts doesn't really want to push the ball too far. So then Katie Gainwell ends up being a perfect dump-off option for him. Really interesting marriage because it just doesn't normally fit the narrative here. I really excited that this is one of the guys you want point. to talk about tonight. Excellent point. All right. So, third take. Riding the tight end train. So, this is all about streaming. 
So we're just under a quarter of the way through the season. And five out of the top 12 tight end weeks belongs to CJ Uzama with second one, Dalton Schultz, the fourth best week, Dawson Knox, the eighth best week, Tyler Conklin, the 10th best week, and Mo Alley-Cox, the 12th best week. So if you had streamed Najoku week one, Max Williams week two, Conklin week three, and Knox week four, that combination is the tight end two and outscoring Waller by four points, who's actually the tight end two. And you shouldn't have just been streaming them. You should have been playing the Millie Maker because, <laughs> like, come on. Like, uh, uh, but here's what I'm saying is this really points out the how streaming can win you a title. And I picked those guys because they were all legit streaming options that week. And they're, they're not players out of nowhere. Like, you know that either there was opportunity there or, like, like a player like Joku, you, like, you knew there was talent. So you can stream. And I'm not trying to say, like, okay, this is the way to do it. Like, pick all these guys perfectly. I think the point is just trying to point out that streaming is an effective way to win. And if you miss it a few weeks, it's not the end of the world. But I'm saying, like, these guys together outscores a guy like Waller who has an insane target share, man. I mean, streaming works. It totally does, you know? And there's plenty of narrative supporting of why those guys were good picks for that week before they did it. Did they outperform expectation? Yeah, that's what streaming is. (laughs) You're trying to bet on plus matchups against poor defenses that give up significant touchdowns, T- yards, and then you check to see how many points you get up to tight ends. They members of good offenses with good quarterback. Those are the three consistents in streaming tight ends. It's not that difficult. All right. So I just think that this is a good time to kind of sit back and look where we're at with the tight end landscape, which is murky, shocking, same narrative every year. So that's why I do not invest heavily in tight ends and aren't named Kelsey. All right. So week five stream, just because we're talking about stream. I love Ertz and the 7.5 targets over the last two weeks. Favorite stream this week, 31% of Yahoo leagues. So he could totally be a guy who's perfect for that. He's matching Dallas Goddard. People who loved, like, people who thought yeah. this was going to be like the Dallas Goddard show, Ertz is doing the same exact thing that Goddard's doing, except Goddard scored the touchdowns. Right. And that's why. And it's bound to happen. Like, he's going to get that chance. Next, I'm actually going to go with Evan Ingram. Why? Because he's playing Dallas. And Dallas just gives up points to tight ends, flat out. And Evan Ingram is not a bad football player. The Gi- the Giants suck, but I like that. And he's a guy that we know has talent. Then, of course, I also like Uzama, Co- uh, Coughlin, Allie Cox, and Bray, all plus matchups. Right there. I just named six guys, six guys that you could possibly stream. Those are guys that, like, you can go pick up, play for a week, then go back out and say, who else can play for a week? It's how I usually roll with defenses. It's usually how I roll with tight ends. And it has worked out for me in the past. This year, a few guys have fallen on their faces. Allen Robinson. God, I just I just need Nagy to get fired. But um, yeah, so I just thought it was appropriate just to come back and talk about why streaming works. Since week three, Todd, when Gronk got injured, Kim Brates had back-to-back weeks with, a five, with over five targets. Five targets in week three, six targets uh, in... Week four, so not not a bad option. I, you know, I like to 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 stream tight ends. I went a little bit more aggressive with my tight end approach this year, trying to get Hawkinson and Waller and Kelsey, and, and most of my leagues it didn't happen everywhere. But I went elite tight end 
or at least upper tight end, like more expensive tight end. And in the leagues that I'm not doing the best, I went Goddard or I, you know, I just weren't my best plays. So I like the idea of streaming tight ends. And I just really enjoy dynasty leagues that make you have to try to target or roster players like Conklin, Max Williams. I really enjoy those type of leagues because I and people like you look at these breakouts, Todd, Njoku, Max Williams, Conklin, Knox. People had written Knox off. People had written Conklin off. Max Williams, Njoku. But the we talk about it time and time again. Peter Howard hits us all the time. How long it takes for tight ends to break out? Uh, to you know, yes, the the elite tight ends usually break out a little bit earlier. But usable, functional tight ends take a while to develop because it's a demanding position in the NFL. And we're seeing that happen with all these streamers that you're talking about, Todd. 100%, man. 100%. And that's exactly what I'm trying to get at. And I'm, I'm so glad I picked up Mac Williams week one in our week, Dave, and just kind of just left him there. Loving it. You needed him because Emigram sucked. Evan <laughs> Ingram does suck right now. But I like him against Dallas. This is I the like, game. I still think he's not being used right. But yeah, I, I agree do too. And I, and I like him against Dallas. And if you don't really have a good tight end option this week and Evan Ingram sitting there, it's a good roll of the dice. I like it. Hey, Davey, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on the Tweet Machine, over on the Patreon, over on DLF, and on the Rookie Fever podcast, which is where I'm going to record as we speak. So, Todd, it was fun to have you back on the show. It was fun to jest. It was not easy doing the opener. It was not easy trying to create a little flavor in the show without you. And I'm happy to have you back. I felt, I honestly felt like I was Urban Meyer. I was cheat. It felt like a cheater without you. And I'm so happy to have you back. I felt cheated on as well. All right. So I am at FF underscore banterman. You can find me over in the Twitter sphere. And uh, you can find all my stuff over at the IDP guys. I am going to be updating my C2C rankings, which is probably going to take me many, many hours because it is a messy college season. Until next time. And you know what? You greedy, you greedy listeners over here. We haven't had a rating review in a while. And so you know what we said? We're going to take the freaking weekend off. It's Columbus Day weekend or Indigenous per- People's Day on Monday. <laughs> and so we said, screw the listeners. We're not doing a third episode. Give us some rating reviews, people. Come on. It helps us out. We love you. No, I'm, I'm not really that upset about it. We, we, I'm actually going up to Maine. I talked about it in the last episode. Todd, three-day weekend. School year's been really stressful. And what happened this week, we're just not going to record a third episode this week. Oh, yeah, man. No, I, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Till next week. <laughs>